0: Good morning, good day, good evening. I am as well as your host, Brody Robertson. This is episode 82 of Tech of a T. Next week, we are going to have a guest that is going to be the Linux cast at this point. So, get excited for that. But, before we get into that... or Actually, no, there's nothing to get into there. Before we get into, like, the other topics, you might notice I have a, a slightly different microphone than I normally do. So, up until this point, I've had my AKG P120. This... You can probably tell from the logo on the bottom here, not an AKG P120. And it might sound a little bit different if you're just uh, listening to the auto version as well. I don't know, like, how different it's going to sound. Hopefully it sounds better. Uh, It might be a little bit quieter than it normally is, but that's something uh, I can't fix right now. So this microphone is the Shure SM7B. This is basically considered... The podcast microphone now. There's like a few other options, like the uh, is it? There's an Electro Voice that people like to buy as well. Uh, Shure SM7B versus the Electro Voice RE20. Both those microphones are amazing. Personally, I like the look of the Shure SM7B more. The uh, the Electro Voice, the Electro Voice, like it's a great microphone. It's just, it just looks ridiculous. Uh, And I'm sure that, like, I'm sure... Okay, in black it looks less bad. I'm sure that, like, you know, it would look fine in your setup. But I I personally like how the shore looks. They sound, to my ears, they sound basically the same. I don't, like... People argue which one sounds better. They They both have slightly different sounds. I don't know which one I prefer. Uh... But you might be wondering why I bought a new microphone, because my old one still worked perfectly fine. Well, I wanted it. I honestly, like, there, there's no reason why I needed to buy this thing. I was perfectly fine still using my old AKGP120, but I've been wanting to buy the Shaw for a very long time. And I I finally just got around to being like, you know what? I'm gonna put the money down on this thing. And actually buy it. Because this is the microphone that I'm going to have basically for the rest of my time on YouTube. I have no reason to upgrade from this. Like, maybe some better mic will come out in the future. But I don't... Like, for my use case, this sounds as good as I need it to sound. Sure, I could spend, you know, $3,000, $5,000 on a microphone. I could buy... uh, What the hell is it called? Um how much is No, that's that's not the expensive one. Uh like I could this is only a slightly more expensive mic. I could buy like a a blue baby bottle. A blue baby bottle or I could buy thousands of dollars of more mic equipment. But for doing like for doing YouTube stuff, honestly like the difference you get above like a $500 mic is so minimal, that for what I'm doing, no one would actually notice it. Sure, there's absolutely use cases in, you know, radio broadcasting, or recording instruments, or, you know, stuff like that. But, for sitting in my room with some fucking RGB lights behind me, I think the shore is going to be perfectly fine. There is one other thing I actually do have on order, because I I didn't think I needed it, but... I didn't think I needed it because I am... I I waited three months to buy this. I'm a cheapskate. I don't like spending money. I had to convince myself to buy this. Uh, And the Shure SM7B is a very difficult microphone to drive. So my mixer board can do a maximum gain of 64 decibels. I've got this on 64 decibels. Do you know why? Because if I don't, you literally will not be able to hear me. So let's just turn it down a bit. This is at 50%. You can probably still hear me, but it's it's getting very hard to do so. That's probably half a knob, or maybe a quarter of a knob turn more than what I was using for my old mic. This is about where I had my old mic. Uh, and this is just above... I'd say that's about... I'd say that's about... 5 maybe 10 decibels it, it's it's not usable like that uh so I want to go and buy a cloud lifter I've already got it on or, or not want to buy it. I've got a cloud lifter on order uh this is a microphone enhancer microphone amplifier preamp whatever you want to call it uh, they call it a mic activator basically when I plug this thing in it will add an extra 25 decibels of gain into my microphone signal And this is going to be clean gain, not, you know, doing it in software where it's going to, uh, what's the word, corrupt, not corrupt, distort, distort the audio. So I add that into my chain, then I can like turn my gain down on my mixer board and still have plenty of room where I can up it if I need to. Because right now it's sort of at the level where it's usable, but it's not where I want it to be. And I could do it in software. I absolutely could. Like, I could go into my OBS settings right now, crank up the gain a bit, but the problem you'll always get when doing stuff like that in software is it's always going to add in some level of distortion. When you do something digitally, it's not like you can just add in more... more signal, more... more... whatever. You know what I'm saying. You can't add in more detail. That's the one. So doing it on the hardware level is always going to be better. And it, it, at least the cloud lifter isn't as expensive as as the mic. (laughs) At least there is that, and that's another thing that will basically be with me for the end of like until the end of my time on YouTube. I have like there's no reason to buy a different mic activator unless for whatever reason it stops working. That's something I'll have basically forever, and that's sort of at the point I'm at now. These are like the last upgrades I'm buying. The mic the cloud lifter, and then the lens when I get that. I'm not upgrading my mixer board. I have no reason to do so. And then this is basically going to be where everything stays. The only like stuff I would buy for the channel after that point is maybe new lights. Like These lights are fine, but maybe I'll get something nicer and when I eventually have room to have a set. And then I could like put shit behind me. But I've already got some ideas of what I want to put behind me, and it won't be that expensive. Some of the stuff I already have, like I want to have some of my anime figures sitting on a shelf behind me. That would be cool. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go go onto Fiverr or something, get a uh, a Tux plushie made, just because I think that sounds cool. I think there are Tux plushies that already do exist, but I don't really like any of them. So I will try to find something that fits what I like. And I guarantee, like, I'll be able to find something. If not on Fiverr, my sister really likes Facebook Marketplace and buys a bunch of custom shit off of that. I'm sure she could find something that would fit what I want. It probably wouldn't be that difficult, and that would be cool to have in the background. Plus, I want to have, you know, you know how everyone has one of those signs that, like, reads out their name? I don't know what those signs are called, but I don't expect them to be that expensive. So, maybe I'd get one of those. Actually, since we're already uh, talking about setups, I would love to have, like, a dedicated podcast setup. And if I do that, maybe the logo will change. By then, it probably will. But when I have, like, a set logo, I would want to get, like, a neon sign. I think that would be really cool. Apparently, they're only, like, a couple hundred dollars as well. I don't know. M- maybe, maybe one day, m- this is, like... This is long off stuff now. I I have no no plans to do that at this point, but maybe at some point in the future, whenever that future may possibly come, I don't honestly know. <clears throat> anyway, I'm happy with this mic, and I I hope I hope that it sounds good, and I can like get up real close with it, and it sounds. Really, really nice. I love the proximity effect that you get with the Shure SM7B. That's one of the reasons why I bought this mic as well. Uh, plus, it like it, it also it the body is much smaller than my old mic, so I can have it sitting in front of me, and it's not blocking out my entire keyboard, so I can actually see everything that I'm trying to do. Uh, now I've got the um, the wind guard that most people typically use on it, but you can take this one off. This that probably sounds horrible. Uh, I it's very difficult to get. I have no idea how I removed it the first time I did. Uh, But you can remove it. Oh, also I I I'm undid the mic a bit now. Oh no! Now it's now it's gonna keep moving. Oh, okay. There we go. (laughs) I uh, I undid the um. The, the the joint holding the mic in and then it got it got stuck being undone anyway uh <laughs> joys of having a microphone what they're saying uh right you can take this thing off i i don't know how and there is another wind guard you could use this thing is massive uh let's put it against here we actually put my face in front of it. yeah put my face in front of it so there's there's the wind guard normally there's a the small one here is the massive one. Like, there's a uh, there's a bit of a difference there. I've found that for what I'm doing, even though this is the wind guard for, you know, when you're talking close up with the mic, I've found that honestly this thing doesn't pick up like plosives that badly. It does a bit, like all mics obviously. Well, plosives are basically like the p- and the p- p- and but. Like, you know, the, the the popping sounds that you'll make when you say certain... Uh, when you make certain sounds. And this is supposed to deal with that, but I found that it doesn't... Like, it, it does. It does deal with it. But the amount of plosives that are already there doesn't... Doesn't really justify it in my case. Because this thing is bloody massive. And takes up a lot of my vision. So I'll keep it as it is for now. And if I need to change it in the future, then... I can go and do so then. Uh, we've talked about this mic for a long ass time. Let's talk about something different. Let's talk about what happened a few days ago over on YouTube, where the Linux experiment got banned. Uh, I <laughs> People bullied me because my video was out way too late for it. So, I recorded the video the morning that he got banned. And I was like, okay, this video is going to go out when I normally upload videos. And when the video went out, he was unbanned. (laughs) He was already unbanned by the time the video went out. I feel like it was still a good video nonetheless. And I hope that it does encourage people to support people in, not just in the Linux community, but any sort of community that does get banned from YouTube. I, I hope that it does encourage people to actually more support those people because I don't like I don't really care whether you like the person or anything like that. I saw a couple of comments saying, "Oh, he was, uh, he was, you know, uh, what's the word? Part of the group trying to get rid of Stallman, or he was trying to do this, trying to get this person removed or this person removed." Like I don't actually care, like. I I think you shouldn't be doing that, but I'm not going to hold like some vendetta against someone for something they did to someone else. I don't think that's a productive way to move forward. If you don't like what someone is doing, what you should be doing is trying to treat them in a way that you want to be treated yourself. And hopefully, if they're a good person then they might change the way that they're acting in the future. And that's, I think, the best way to handle any situation like this. I don't want to like hold some grudge against people for no reason like that. That's just not productive. And all it does is just create these much wider divides of opinion. And that that's just not helpful for anyone. And I don't want to see that be something encouraged in the Linux world. So anyone who was trying to say, oh, you shouldn't be trying to help this guy out. I think you're just a horrible person and I don't like you. But luckily there was only like one or two people like that and most people like yeah no he should have his channel back. That that's ridiculous. Why why is his channel gone? So we don't I don't think he ever actually found out why he got banned. Initially he didn't know like before he was banned, but I would have assumed that, you know, some level of communication may happen after You know, whose channel gets unbanned. Um, Apparently not. Uh, Apparently he never actually found out why. At least that's the best of my knowledge. I'm looking at his Twitter right now. And yeah, I don't think he ever actually found out why. He just got the channel back and it just happened to be back. And that honestly sounds a lot like the way that YouTube deals with anything. Like sure, they could tell you. Or they could just be like, channel back. Enjoy your day. Because that would, if they if they told you, that would require them telling you why the channel was banned in the first place. And it's weird that YouTube doesn't like the reason why they don't is because then they would have to explain why their systems are so broken. But if they want their channel to be, or the the channel, if they want their their platform to be something where people actually feel comfortable making stuff, you would think. And, like, to make sure they like, don't break the rules in the future, you would think that they would say, here is the rule you broke, here is how you broke it. The uh, the working theory for what actually happened is that he was doing a, uh, a giveaway, and apparently the uh, the giveaway bot he was using somehow may have tripped the system. Like, he was using a, a bot to scrape the YouTube comments, but this is sort of the standard way to do anything with a YouTube giveaway, apparently that's what may have triggered it like we're not really sure the other thing that could have happened is doing the giveaway in the first place like with the giveaway obviously you encourage people to comment you encourage people to subscribe and maybe that's like that's what triggered it but the, the weird thing with if that is actually the case is that that's just the standard way to do giveaways on youtube so Unless there's just like a different rule for the big channels than the small channels, that just simply would not make any level of sense. It could very well be the case, and YouTube is uh, is is well known for not making any sense. But I would hope that there is consistency in their rules. At least that if nothing else even if your rules are just absolute nonsense and don't make any sense at least make the nonsense and absolute the nonsense and doesn't make any sense be consistent that's all i ask some people ask for like a a less controlling platform but fine it's your platform i don't care at least if you have rules impl- uh, imply Apply. Apply them consistently. Because I can't speak today. This was happening during my stream as well. Where there'd be some text on the screen. I try to read it. And it doesn't, like, my brain just does not compute what I'm seeing. And it's like... It's like, what, 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 what are you saying, Brody? This doesn't make any sense. You've had no drinks today. Why can you not just read something basic? Maybe it's the fact that I didn't get much sleep. Uh, that could very well be the case, and probably, probably is the case. I went to sleep the normal time I do, uh, but I woke up way more than I normally do. Uh, so that's very likely what ended up causing the mind melting. And we'll see if I make it through the entire normal time that I record <laughs> the podcast for. Or if we end up cutting it early. I I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what I'm like at the hour mark and see if I want to go for another hour after that. I uh, I genuinely don't know at this point. Yes. Uh, not knowing at this point? Yes, not knowing at this point. Much like how I don't know how I've lived in this house for the past year, nearly a year now. So... I've mentioned the fact that my housemate has a dog, or had a dog. Now, the dog uh, was put down because she had, like, really, really severe seizures. Now, normally when people, you know, have a dog that is put down, they'll wait a while before they get another dog, and maybe they'll get a dog that is very different from the dog they already had. Not in this case, because I think I live with a fucking psychopath. So, (laughs) man, I, I don't know... I don't know what the deal is here, but I think I think the dog was put down maybe two, a month or two ago. Now, she decided she wants to get another dog, and that's fine. If you want another dog, that's cool. I'm not going to look after it. It's not my dog. Don't bother me about it. But the dog she got, or the dog she's getting, it hasn't come here yet. It's uh, being brought in from Queensland, looks exactly the same as the dog she had before not like oh they're the same breed and they're the same color no she specifically went out of her way to find a dog that looks exactly the same like down she like down to the exact shade she uh she saw the pictures of the dog like of the puppies on uh the seller's i don't know facebook or something and she was worried that like Because the way the pictures were shot, the shade of the dog would have been different than what she'd expected. So she got, like, the person into, uh, what's, what's the Apple, Apple thing? The Apple video calling? Not iMessage. You know what it is. The Apple video calling thing. I'm, I'm too much of a boomer to understand it. Uh, maybe too much of a zoomer. I don't know. Anyway, she got the dogs outside had a look at the had uh, had a look at them outside to make sure the shade of brown was the exact shade of brown she wanted. Now that would be fine, okay? Look, if if you're if you're just trying to bring your dog back to life by buying a dog that looks exactly the same, that's that's weird, but it's fine, I guess. You're you're a very weird unit, but I I guess there's there's some level of like. Empathy I can have with that situation. Where the empathy stops is when you name the dog. Now, the dog that passed away, dog was put down, uh, that dog was named Zala, right? Remember that name. Now, this new dog that looks exactly the same, uh <laughs> she is naming it Zaria, Which sound very similar. In fact, there is w- what one or two letters difference between the two of these? Um, that's a little bit weird. Like that's 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 a little bit weird even for me. Like imagine just imagine doing this yourself. Imagine imagine your dog dying and then you buy another dog looked exactly the same and name it basically the same thing. If you don't think that's weird, I think you need to like speak to somebody because that's not normal behavior. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll see what this what this dog is like when uh when it gets here, and I'm almost certain that during the day I'm going to be the one looking after it because I work at home. And when you work at home, uh, here's the problem: with working at home. Most people assume that you're not actually working. You're just like, oh, you're just off work. You're just you know you're not doing anything. That's not that's just because I'm at home doesn't mean I'm work. Just because I'm doing anything, it's just how it works. I'm sure anyone who's been like doing, you know, any dev jobs or customer service, like phone customer service, uh, who's been doing this from home, is well aware of what I'm saying. That if someone sees you're there, it doesn't matter like what you're doing. If someone sees you're at home, they will assume you're doing nothing productive. I think that is like slowly starting to change as more and more people are working from home. But there's definitely a lot of people out there who don't understand this very basic concept. Like, between the hours where I would be working, do not talk to me. I don't want to deal with you. I want to do my job. Actually, I don't want to do my job. I- I'm going to do my job. <laughs> I go, well, in, in my case, I'm- I want to do my job because, like, the stuff I do from home is, like, the channel. So I want to do this. Go away. That's pretty much the end of it for me. <laughs> but, um, actually, going back a bit, Back to the thing with uh with Nick getting banned. Apparently he was planning to do the YouTube thing full time. Like a couple of months like he was gonna he was talking about it a couple of months earlier. And that's honestly, that's a really, really shit situation to be in that you're like, yes, this channel is big enough where I think I can feasibly do this full time. And then the rug just gets completely pulled out from under you. And well, now y- the channel just is gone. And now the channel's back, I don't know whether, like, if I was the one in that situation, whether I would actually be comfortable going into it full time if that had just happened to the channel. It probably won't happen again. Like, this seemed to be a a one-off thing and he's going to just, you know, have his channel into the future. But I don't know how I would personally deal with that situation. I don't actually have any plans to... Even like even when I'm at the point where I could, where I was making enough where I could actually do it full time, I don't actually have any plans to go and do so. At least for a while, I want to make sure like I am in a very financially safe place to actually do so. I want to make sure like I, I I'm probably gonna spend like even once I get to the point where I have enough where I could do it, I'm probably gonna spend like maybe a year or two just jumping money into investments to have something there that is continuing to grow and grow and grow as time goes on. I think that's a a safer way to do it than, hey, I'm at 100k subs, I am making enough right now that I could do this, but I don't know whether I'm going to be making enough in the future where it still makes sense, or if I'm just going to completely fuck up the situation that I'm in. There's a lot of people, I think, that jump into it way too quickly, and end up basically ruining ruining a good part of their lives. Like, you can always recover from that situation. Like, especially... oh, Okay, you can recover from that situation if you were smart enough to go into it when you actually had savings. I would not jump into anything that... That... What's the word? That could... Anything that unstable, I guess. Anything that unstable without having a very big amount of savings. It doesn't have to be, you know, like, 50, 100 grand. Like, even just one year's worth, even six months, six months or one year's worth of savings is the minimum I would need to have to want to even consider that being an option. And I hope that anyone actually considering doing the YouTube thing or content creation or anything out there full-time actually does take that into consideration like drawing for example like there's a bunch of people who who very well could be full-time artists but if they wanted to go into that position I would want to make sure that I'm if anything goes bad and like I don't know my my social media got deleted or whatever whatever would massively affect my ability to actually make an income that I actually had some way to had some way to keep myself afloat while I was trying to find some way to bring myself back into the the world of the living bring myself back into a state where I'm not draining all my money that's just me Some people want to jump into it as quickly as possible and make the most of the situation while they can. I'm just a bit more of a cautious person and I think that's a I think that's a safer way to approach it. Maybe it's not the most fun. Sure, absolutely. And working two jobs isn't fun. Like I, I, I don't like uh, doing the YouTube and also working in a supermarket at the same time. I would love to do just the YouTube, but I, I, I know that it's better off at least at this point to keep them both going, at least, at least for another two or so years, maybe three years. We'll see what it's like. By that point, then, because I, I've done the maths, and I think at like fifty k, I could feasibly do YouTube full time. It's just that, yeah, it, it it has all the problems that I listed out just before, and I I know that if I kept at it for for longer and longer the channel would continue to grow on from that point. So there's no point jumping straight into it quickly. And there's no, like, with with doing YouTube, it's not like you have a set amount of time you can do it. Sure, your channel might only be, might only be popular for a certain amount of time, but if you see this popularity starting to dwindle, I would hope that you somehow address the sort of content that you're making to make sure you can keep doing it further and further into the future. Not to say you should be radically changing your content because that ends up causing pretty big problems in and of itself, but making the minor changes you need to keep your content in line with what is generally trending as popular at the time, I think it's a good way to put it. Yeah, I I think so. Uh, Speaking of popular at the time though, that actually leads us directly into something. So I saw this over on BBC News. Uh, TikTok overtakes YouTube for average watch time in US and UK. Now, I don't think that for like my channel, for like my main channel, doing TikTok content really makes the most sense. Like, I can't imagine there are many Linux users or people interested in Linux who are interested in watching stuff over on TikTok. And I don't think that there's many many useful things I could really talk about that would fit into the format that TikTok does have. But there's definitely a lot of stuff where I think that not being on TikTok right now is sort of wasting the opportunity. And I'm actually going to start up TikTok, not to do, you know... Dances or anything stupid like that. Now, what I what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my YouTube Shorts from my gaming channel and then put them on TikTok. I don't know, I don't know how well they're gonna perform, but I'm I'm thinking at this point that it doesn't make any sense for them to not be on there. I think that, I think that judging how well they've been doing as YouTube Shorts and how they've been picking up there. I think there might possibly be an audience that I can maybe shift over from TikTok, or maybe maybe even just know that I exist. I I think that I think that is a good idea. I haven't tested it yet, and I'm gonna start testing it uh, probably with next week's set of uploads because I've been wanting to make a overlay that says, "Hey, I'll be streaming on these platforms at this time." Because just doing it on TikTok with nothing like that isn't going to drive traffic over from that platform over to the gaming channel. It makes sense to it makes sense to have that so people know that I'm not just doing this content here. I'm doing it, and if you want to have you know the longer form version, maybe you could go over here. I haven't actually had the overlay on YouTube, but I think there might possibly be some way to di- uh, to direct users from the short content into the long-form content. I know that a lot of people watching shorts are just watching shorts for the sake of watching shorts, but I think if you let people know that there is a expanded version of this, and if they like this one short of it, they might enjoy the entire thing, maybe... I don't know. 1% turnover, 0.1% turnover, even something like that I think would actually s- slowly increase the audience that exists on those uh on those uh on those on those streams. Cuz right now on the on the gaming channel, I think I average maybe like 3 or 4 viewers, which is by no means bad. I I'm actually surprised that I've got that much considering that I'm pretty much only advertising it from my main channel and my main channel not being a gaming channel isn't going to have a lot of a lot of audience that wants to watch both the gaming stuff or the linux stuff and the gaming stuff. So the fact that I've even managed to do that, I think I think is is something. But if I do have some level of turnover happening from the shorts, I think that's going to in basically Create the gaming channel as like an independent entity from the main channel. While I obviously will have some level of crossover. And especially when I do my my end of week live streams. Like most of the people watching those streams will be from the main channel. I think that having these as two separate entities might be some. Might be an interesting way to to make the channel grow. I don't know. The gaming channel is sort of just like a fun thing for me. I I like I could make actual content on that channel and that would cause the channel to grow more than it currently is but I just want to play some video games so I'm going to stream them basically that's that's my thought process uh, so that's what we do so if it grows it grows if it doesn't it doesn't I just I I like the idea of trying it out though, and just seeing what it does. Because getting that content up onto TikTok, I can't imagine it's very difficult. It should, it should be basically straightforward. And I imagine TikTok probably has a, um, it probably has a scheduling system. Actually, one thing I don't know: Does TikTok have the same problem that Instagram had, where you could only use it from uh, from mobile? I like only properly use it for mobile. Okay. Uh, I will mute that in post. <laughs> oh, lovely. So, uh, music you started playing. And it's TikTok, so it's probably going to be copyrighted music because of course TikTok. I actually don't know if uh, if it does. I, I have no idea. Anyway, uh, yeah, I I will try it out and see what happens. I might as well. Like, there's no like if it doesn't do anything, I I can always just stop it and leave it to be basically doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, we are on the topic of Chinese social media, so I actually didn't plan these as like a segue. They just happened to segue fairly well. Uh Chinese social media site Weibo suspends 22 K-pop accounts. Now, I don't care about K-pop. Unsurprisingly, um but there is some some hilarious quotes from this. So, uh 22 fan accounts have been suspended by Chinese social media site uh Sina, Sina, Sina Weibo. For what it called irrational star chasing, basically they're banning accounts that are K-pop fans, and I I can't say that uh I I can't say it's a bad thing to be honest. <coughs> oh. Ow. Uh Weibo accused or Weibo Weibo I don't know accused one fan account of illegal fundraising. In a statement, the company said it firmly opposes such irrational star chasing and will deal with it seriously. I don't know. I'm coughing. Ow! <coughs> Ow! That hurt. It also pledged to purify. <laughs> Here's where it gets fun. It also pledged to purify online discussions and regulate community order on its platform, which I think might be the hilar- the most hilarious way to say we are going to shut down k-pop stands i i you know i don't have i don't have any empathy for you if you're a k-pop stand that's fine you i i i if anyone is if i'm gonna support anyone being cancelled off of social media it is k-pop stands because some of the most annoying people on social media are k-pop stands Hey, maybe you're a K-pop stan and maybe you're a cool person. I doubt it, but maybe it's possible. I I I I I I I, I highly doubt it though. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about that. I just think it's kind of funny that China just doesn't care about K-pop stands. Uh but this is following following what China's been doing with uh the gaming industry as well, which is kind of funny with like how much the uh the gaming industry is sort of Start, well, they've been simping to China? Here we go. So, where China was like, you know what? We're just going to basically effectively ban gaming uh, in China. Uh, China placed strict limits on time young people can play spending uh, online games. And it was something, what is it? So, online gaming in the country is now only available to people younger than 18, 8pm to 9pm, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and public holidays. I imagine that means 8pm to 9pm on the public holiday as well. It is supported by an anti-addiction registry. This is beautiful. So, basically, if you're under 18, you're allowed to play 3 hours of video games a week. While that might still sound like a lot for some people... Uh, that is effectively the same as banning it for the most part, and a good amount of the money that was being made by gaming companies in China just went. And I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the uh the gaming companies did have a bit of a dip when that happened. But I I, I feel like this is this TikTok thing, TikTok, this uh Weibo thing is probably. Related in some way to this as well. China trying to basically like clean up their social media to maintain the maintain the purity they want to maintain. I guess is a good way to put it. I yeah, I'd say that's probably the best way to put it. To be honest, um, I think the reason why I'm coughing is because of what I had. Uh, what I had for lunch. So I went to a. Uh, this is a mistake. I went to a Vietnamese place and. The lady who was serving me, she was asking me, like, hey, do you want veggies? Do you want this? Do you want that? And then she got to, do you want chili? Now, I assumed that when I said yes, it wasn't going to be that bad. I was like, sure. The the amount of chili she grabbed, it was only very small. I was like, oh, it's it's probably not going to be that bad. Man, I could barely breathe after eating that. The food, like the, the chicken... The chicken was very good. Everything in the meal was good. I should not have got the chili. The chili, I I feel like if you love chili, it was probably great. I don't. I, I don't hate it. But my assumption, like the way I thought in my head was, okay, the chili is normally going to be part of the meal. So eating it without the chili would take something away from the meal. I was right. It would take something away from the meal. It would take the burning pain in my mouth that makes me want to stop eating the food. So next time I go there, I'm going to remember, Brody, don't order chili, because if you do, you're going to be coughing for the, the entire podcast you record directly afterwards. I guess it's like me an hour and a half afterwards. I somehow wasted like an hour and a half after having lunch before starting this podcast. I don't know how it happened, but... It happens somehow. But I, I, I do like this place, so I'm absolutely gonna be going back. This is the uh the same place did I talk about this on the podcast? The same place that I uh I went and got some really good roast pork and fried rice. I don't remember if I actually talked about this, but if I didn't, the food there is good and I highly recommend it. If you're ever actually if I say where it is, that might dox me a bit. Uh yeah, it might. It is, it is a, actually, I can't even say anything about it, food, they're, food, they're good, food make me go less hungry, yes, mm. ah. now that, ch- yeah, the chili is coming back to bite me, now my nose is running a bit, lovely, I love it, this is great, the good, this is a good, this is probably the best, the best Uh. podcast we've ever done, uh I, i'm i'm sure that i'm sure that whatever happens today is going to be uh as enjoyable as anything that i've ever made and is going to bring in such a massive new audience that has never watched this podcast before or they might just run away and never come back i feel like i feel like the second one is quite likely yeah i i think so uh so i don't know if you guys have noticed but i've been kind of growing my hair out a bit you can probably notice, like, what am I doing? Really notice, like, in the back there, it's it sometimes pokes out no matter what I do. Uh, that's because my hair is at a really annoying length. So it's it's short enough where I can't actually, you know, do anything with it. But it's it's long enough where it starts to get like really annoying on days where I have like where my hair just doesn't sit down and do whatever it wants, which is most days. So I'll generally have bits poking out the back and because when my hair gets a a bit around this length and a bit longer it starts to get curly uh... Yeah, things are gonna... My my hair's gonna look really bad for a while I might just... I don't know If I decide that it's too annoying, I might cut it, I don't know I kinda want to just grow it out for a bit and then decide what I want to do afterwards That's the fun thing about growing out your hair You can decide at any point I don't like this, and go snip, 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 snip and then we go back to your the uh, the length you had before. So maybe I'll keep it around, maybe I won't. I don't know. Maybe I'll go like full on luscious locks, like someone you know, like like critical. I don't know. Because when my hair does get long, then it starts to straighten out a bit. It's just in this like intermediate stage where it's an absolute pain in the ass to deal with. <sighs> And I knew it was going to be it. Like the last time I had long hair, it was a pain in the ass to deal with. This time, it's pain in the ass to deal with. It's always going to be a pain in the ass to deal with. And I, I should, I should just accept that this, accept my fate, accept the, uh, the fate that has been bestowed upon me, and just accept that. I, I just can't deal anything with it. I, I can't hold shit like this though. That's good. Um. Speaking of fate, you know that's not a bad segue. Uh, the fate bestowed upon you. So I have been playing a couple of games in an emulator. I one hundred percent already own the copies of the game. You know all the all the all the like disclaimer stuff when you talk about emulation. This is not for the sake of piracy. This is because I owned a game and I want to play it on some other system. You know, you know the drill. Anyway, uh, I went and set up a DS emulator, a GBA emulator, and also PS2 emulator. So for DS, I'm using uh, Melon DS. GBA, I'm using Visual Boy Advance, because why would you use anything else? And then PS2, obviously, PCSX2. And I've been playing some games under my PS2 emulator. Uh, main, well, mainly one game. I've been playing... I've been saying I wanted to play this for a while. I've been playing Shin Megami Tensei 3. And holy shit. I wish that I had played this game earlier. Shin Megami Tensei 3 is... Fucking amazing. I'm still fairly early in the game. Uh, for anyone who's played the game before, I am now in Ginza. Ginza is probably the third. Yeah, it's the third. They uh, are the third area in the game. Third, like hub area in the game, I guess is the best way to put it. And I've, I don't okay, I don't know how the best way to put this, but this game. Kicks the fuck out of you. Like, I have not played a turn-based RPG where I felt like I actually had... I had this much... I had to pay this much attention to the way that, like, combat works. I, I've played, obviously, you know, like, Pokemon, Final Fantasy in the past. I've played a bunch of other turn-based games as well. None of them were like, Hey, you, you might actually need to worry about... Actually, using you know debuff spells and buff spells and type matching and stuff, or like Persona is another good example. Persona is like it's the same, this it's the same what's the word franchise. Yeah, it like Persona stemmed off of uh Shimigami Tensei, Persona went down the direction of we're going to focus on the social interaction and building up friendships and stuff like that. The Shin Megami Tensei series was like, "Fuck that, we want to kill demons." So that's the difference. But because of that, because it has such a focus on, "I want to kill demons," it makes killing the demons very fucking hard. <laughs> I've, I think, I, so I'm playing on normal mode. I've died probably, I've died, no, sorry, I've died once so far. But I've been very close to dying. At least 20 or 30 times so far. So the one time I died, it was kind of the game pulling a bullshit moment on me, but it was kind of my fault for not uh, not recovering from the status effect. So, just outside of Ginza, there is a uh, an enemy that has the ability to petrify you. Or is it in Ginza? No, it's in Ginza. There's an enemy that can petrify you. Now... That's fine. I had assumed that if you were petrified, maybe you'd be, like, you know, frozen for a bit, and then you'd, at some point, break out of the petrification. No. And in... I don't know if it's like this in the other Shin Megami Tensei games, but in 3, if the main character dies, you lose. Game over. You have you, and then a party of demons. And if you die... Everyone dies. So when you get petrified and you don't realize that you have to get rid of the petrification, well, game over happens a, a turn or two later. So that was fun, and I, I felt like, I felt like it was a bullshit death. But I also realized that I probably should have dealt with the status effect, and I wouldn't have died. Now I know that if I have a status effect. Deal with the status effect, except for sleeping. Sleeping, you can sort of actually take as take as something that has advantages to it. So when you are put to sleep, you end up recovering health. Which means that if you let the like most of your party sleep and you still have enough damage to wipe out the enemies, basically they'll just heal you for you. It's not always the uh the best strategy and sometimes you'll be put to sleep and then the enemies are like hey i'm going to cast debuffs and i'm going to like start using super effective attacks against you and you're going to die sometimes that does happen uh but most of the time you can abuse it i i've noticed that the the ai in at least 3 isn't the brightest so i totally get the like the enemies casting spells that aren't going to be super effective all of the time. Perfectly fine, but one thing that the game does do which it shouldn't be doing is that <laughs> you so you'll have a demon in your party and you'll be fighting a demon of the exact same type. Now you would assume that demons of the exact same type would know what they're immune to. But I have lost like lost uh, I've lost track of how many times I've been running like a Jack Frost. And then I'll be fighting a Jack Frost and it casts a Frost ability on my Jack Frost. Like, how does the AI let this happen? Maybe it's just the fact that the PS2 AI, you know, they didn't want to waste too many resources on it and just let stuff like that happen. Maybe that's the case. But you would uh, basically assume that something like that should never occur. I'll take the free heals, but it probably shouldn't happen. Um... What was I gonna say? Shit, I lost track of what I was gonna say. Uh oh, right. The game also has a really weird way of handling uh, your your demons learning new moves. So your demons can learn moves in two ways. One, they'll get an ability on the side of their like level up screen, their status screen, that like it has a list of the abilities they'll get. The other way they get an ability is sometimes you level up and It'd be like, hey, the demon is trying to learn something. Would you like it to replace a skill? I, uh, mate, look, maybe this is cheating, but it's a single player game. And I know the HD remake fixes this problem, but, uh, why do my camera de- what, why, why am I out of focus now? (laughs) Okay, sure. Uh, if you say yes, I would like to learn a skill. It will randomly pick which skill it wants to, uh, it wants to replace. Now it randomly selects it before the uh, the fight starts, or bef- before the uh, before you select the ability. So if you save state and then you select, it, and if it re- replaces something you wanted to keep, then you can always go back to your save state in the HD remake. They removed this mechanic and made it so when it decided to learn something you could decide what to replace. Which is probably how it should have worked from the start. I was thinking about playing the HD remake but my my from what I've heard the HD remake isn't perfect. There's some problems that it does have that there's some problems that it has that didn't exist in the original game, so I decided to go back and just emulate it, and it plays fine. Like a PS2 emulation is fairly, fairly easy. Mm. <sighs> yeah, it, it's fairly easy to uh to to emulate. Like even even the more demanding PS2 games. Like at this point, considering how old the PS2 is. Most systems should be able to do it pretty easily. It's still a rough time doing on a phone, but yeah, unless you're not u- unless you're using a phone, you should be good. <clears throat> now with the uh, the DS emulator, right now the only things I've actually got like set up to go is uh, Kingdom Hearts three five eight and Kingdom Hearts recoded. The reason why I got the DS emulator is for the sake of uh, doing my live streams. I would like to stream the entire Kingdom Hearts franchise, and right now, there isn't a uh, a remake on like the PS4 for 365 or Recoded, and there should be, because those are very good games. There is one for Dream Drop Distance, and that's great. I love Dream Drop Distance, but I would like 365. Recoded, you know, less so. I don't really care about Recoded as much, but 365 is very, very important. Luckily, though, When you do emulate it, you can massively crank up the graphics. So if you didn't know, the uh, Nintendo DS actually had a very low-res screen. Uh, Not just like, oh, it's, you know, 360p, or, oh, it's 480p. Um, No, the resolution, let's see if we can find it. (coughs) Ow. It, It is 256... <coughs> oh. I might have to cut these coughs out. It is 256 by 192 pixels. Now that is not many pixels. This is a very small amount of pixels. So if you try to run that on a screen, that's, you know, 24 inches, that's 27 inches, uh compared to the DS screen, which was is it 4? 3 or 4? It was very small. So from 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 this to this, it looked very shit. Uh, so what you can do is you can... <coughs> mm. You can take the resolution and just crank up the upscaling. So inside of Melon DS, you can crank it up to 4K. So it's like 4096 by... I think it's like 30... 30, 70... It's something like that. It's... (coughs) It's a 4K resolution. This coughing is probably awful. Uh, It's a 4K resolution. And, man, PS2 uh, and DS games look surprisingly good. Like, you'd be surprised by how much a bit of upscaling can actually do to a, a DS game. Obviously, some elements don't look much better. Like, the text can only be... You can only make it crisper. You can't add more detail in. Uh but I'm really surprised. Let's see if we can find uh recoded upscaled Up I can't spell. Upsc upscaled, sclade. Yes, yeah, so yes that's how you spell that. Here he's actually yeah, here we go, here's recoded. Uh... Okay, now this isn't even upscaled as much as I was upscaling it. But it takes the game from being completely unwatchable, unplayable, to actually looking not great, but still fairly decent for, for what it is. I am surprised by how much detail you can get out of upscaling, or how much detail you can retain the clarity of by upscaling Something like this. Obviously, also shadows re- continually, uh, continuously look shit. Continue to look shit. Like this shadow is literally a square. Sora shadow is whatever shape this is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, eight-sided shape. Heptagon? Is that an eight-sided shape? I don't know. <coughs> But I've found some games like uh, The World Ends With You. That's another one I do have that I want to stream as well. That game, holy shit, you cannot play it without upscaling. Like, Kingdom Hearts is somewhat playable. Because this does not have really, really detailed sprite work. This has, it's a 3D game running on a DS. So you can get around it. But when The World Ends With You is not upscaled. All of the pixel art looks basically like a big blob. And you cannot tell what is going on. (laughs) So, I'm happy I've upscaled it. And I'm going to play it like that. I don't know when I'll stream it. I probably... Maybe... I don't know. I'm going to finish Ender Lilies first. Then I'm going to... Do the last Spyro game. So, oh, the last Spyro game in the Reignited Trilogy. So, Spyro 3. And then I've got a free slot. And I, I, I'm i going to finish Celeste at some point as well. So, maybe maybe something will take Celeste's spot. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe it'll be... Maybe it'll be World Ends With You. Maybe it'll be uh, more Kingdom Hearts. I think the next game we're going to go into with Kingdom Hearts is going to be... Re Chain of Memories. I have considered actually going back and playing the original Chain of Memories, so the uh, the one on the DS. Not DS, uh, GBA. Not yeah, de- definitely GBA. Uh, because it's still a, like a really cool looking game, and obviously being the the Game Boy Advance, you can you can seriously upscale that and get really. Really high-quality sprite work out of it. This, not high-quality sprite work. Uh, this is not running as upscaled as it could be, and you can notice there's a lot of blur there. But when this is crisp pixel art, it looks really, really nice. And actually, for the size that you guys might be seeing, especially if you're watching this on a phone, that actually might look perfect. But um, I can tell you that looking at at the size that I'm seeing, it's it's certainly not. One of the differences with the the GBA version is, unlike the PS2 version, uh, this was a a I guess isometric for movement and then side scroller for combat. So like this is how combat worked. It it still plays like a Kingdom Hearts game, <clears throat> but it's just a you know side scroller Kingdom Hearts game. I like of Memories because the game is. Actually broken. It's it's completely broken, and you can break every single fight with very very little effort. I Man, this is an area that really suffers from not being upscaled properly. Like Jack's model really needs, like really really needs to be crystal clear, because you know his his legs and his arms are very skinny, and right now I can barely tell what's going on. So maybe I'll go back and play the uh the GBA version. I don't know. I've never played that before, so it'd be a it would be a a a new prospect for me. Yes, there we go. New prospect for me. Mm. Kingdom Hearts HD 2.5 Remix proves the series worth, even if it makes little sense that's pretty accurate yeah the game makes no fucking sense no matter how much you try to make it make sense uh it is never going to happen like kingdom hearts has sort of just I, as i've said it before i've said this in streams plenty of times kingdom hearts is what would happen if you let all of the final fantasy games connect in one single story if you somehow try to connect them Final uh Kingdom Hearts is what would happen. It becomes just like a hodgepodge of random ideas that you throw out 20 years ago and are somehow now becoming important. And oh look, there's time travel now. And oh look, there's there's clones and the, all this other stuff. Like that's what this that's what this is. <clears throat> um Oh. You know what? I want to talk about something that I wish would stop. So, so okay, maybe not. Wish would stop. Maybe I I want it to stop because, uh it sh- it should stop. So you know how there's this idea that Emacs is basically a uh, Emacs is basically an operating system, and Linux is just the bootloader for Emacs. Now I have made jokes about this in the past. But I didn't, you know, they're jokes. They're not intended to be like, "Hey, this is a serious thing. Emacs is actually an operating system." Well, uh, clearly, that someone someone took the joke a little seriously. Obviously, this is a joke in and of itself, but it does work. Uh, this is a lightweight system D replacement written in Emacs Lisp. Why? That's Why? Kind of taking the whole Emacs as an operating system thing a bit too far, aren't we? At least we solved the init controversy. Uh, So close to GNU, Emacs, Linux. It's called a joke, guys. The readme is literally full of them. (laughs) I think this is really cool, but calling the system D replacement feels like clickbait to me. (laughs) Oh... Anyway, uh, you can use it as a bootloader. So, the way this works is you're. Uh, you... So, I'm able to boot from Linux to S init as PID1 and from there to Emacs acting as PID2 using script mode, performing all the RC boot system initialization using Emacs Lisp until we hit the Getty. And then this happens. Uh, amusingly, this guy's actually running KISS Linux, which is always cool. But, yeah, you... You theoretically could use Emacs as a... a nit, as a, a NIT system. As not, yeah, I said bootloaders, didn't I? I meant a knit system. You could do it. Should you? No. But, is it funny? A little. <laughs> and it's certainly a good way to, um... Good way to piss people off. Uh, if anything, if you want, if you want a quick way to piss off some people, this is certainly a good way to do so. Also, Kiss Linux is cool. This is the uh, the project made by uh, Dylan wraps This dude is a psychopath and writes as much shell script as he possibly can. I recommend going and looking at his GitHub because you will find some absolutely. Absolutely ridiculous projects that I don't know how he got the idea to do it in shell script or why he thought doing that in shell script was going to be a good idea. But he did and then it happened. Actually, speaking of GitHub, I did find this hilarious uh, This hilarious article. Now, Linux boosts Microsoft NTFS support as Linus Torvalds complains about GitHub mergers. This part, I really don't care about. I I, I don't care that... Oh, well, NTFS support on Linux? That's great. I'm sure that's going to have so much use. If someone wants to add it to the kernel and they're willing to accept it in the kernel, that's cool, but it's not something that I... Ever have any interest in using I guess the one use case I could think of is if you have a Windows drive like a Windows NTFS drive and for some reason you need to boot that under Linux or you need to like open it under Linux I guess that makes sense like that's the only use case where I could see that actually making sense but yeah uh, a group called Paragon Software wanted to add in this feature, but uh, Linus didn't exactly... didn't act exactly like the way they went about it. So, from what I can tell, Paragon Software is still fairly new to doing kernel development and don't really understand the, the kernel development workflow, I guess is the best way to put it. And... The, kernel, the the Linux kernel has a a very strict way of how you interact with it. So, let's see. Uh, I go, if we go to the register article, this is a better one. <laughs> so, let's see. First, he said, The pull request should have been signed. In a perfect world, it would be a PGP signature that I can trace directly to you through the chain of trust, but I've never actually required that. Uh, basically they they submitted the commits and they were just unsigned commits so anybody could have made them. all the only proof that you ha- you have that that person is the one who made it is it says they were the one who made it there's no way to actually verify that but using a PGP signature you actually have a a cryptographic way to to prove who actually made those commits. Also, they they made some uh, they made some pull requests with uh, and specifically merge commits with G- the GitHub web interface, and the GitHub web interface does shit like this: merge branch Torvalds master into master. Doesn't enforce a message or anything like that. Why are you doing this? What's the purpose? Nothing of that is enforced. It just it just happens, and <clears throat> the problem with this is. Linus expects there to be, you know, well-named commit messages, and the commit messages to actually have a description and explain what you're actually doing. This, not so much. This is a mess. Plus, uh, when you do make a merge commit on GitHub, even if you did sign the commits on your local system, you've now made a merge on on another account that doesn't sign the commits. So it's just like a big mess that Linus just does not want to deal with. And Linus has gotten fairly, uh. fairly nice about the way he deals with people doing things that he doesn't like. Uh there's a link to an older an older time that this happened. Back in 2012. And the register article skipped out a lot of the uh the Linus. Being Linus stuff. So, this is a fairly nice comment. But. The uh, the worst thing that he says here the poor quest and online editing are just pure garbage. But this is. This is 2012, Linus. Not 2021, tw- 21 Linus. So, expect there to be some. Uh, a bit more mean things said in just a bit. So. Uh, that's okay. We're still fairly nice here. Ah, here we go. I also refuse to pull commits that have been made with the GitHub web uh, web interface. Again, the reason for that is the way the GitHub web interface works. Those commits are invariably pure crap. Okay, there's a bit of a bit of Linus being old Linus, but it gets even better from that. So, uh, I don't. I don't know who he's referencing. Apparently there's someone called Joseph here. Maybe that comment was deleted. But what he says here is kind of great. By the way, Joseph, you're a quality example of why I detest the GitHub interface. For some reason GitHub has attracted people with zero taste uh with who have zero taste, don't care about commit logs and can't be bothered. The fact that I have higher standards than the fact that I have higher standards then makes people like you make snarky comments. Thinking you were cool. There are some hilarious commits on the uh, on the Linux GitHub. So if you don't know, Linux has a GitHub. The problem though is uh, that Linux does not use the GitHub for development. It's just on GitHub as a backup basically. So the only reason that pull requests are open... Is because there's no way to actually close them. As you can see, issues are closed. Everything they can close is closed. But for whatever reason, GitHub does not let you allow, or does not allow you to close pull requests. Or at least when they set this up, it didn't allow them to do so. Uh, I think now you can, but they probably haven't looked at it in five or so years. So whenever you try to make a commit, there's going to be this bot that shows up that basically tells you that you're a fucking moron, and you should go and commit this properly. And there's so many comments in here about people trying to do, the, trying to do this over and over and over again. Don't understand how you make a contribution here. <laughs> Actually, this is great. So, this person was trying to commit something. The bot was like, yo, you can't commit here. We don't do this on GitHub. We do it on mailing lists. And then like... I don't understand how we make a contribution here. You don't. You don't make a contribution here. That's the whole point. You make a contribution... Where is it? Here. And it, it literally tells you everything you need to do to make a contribution. Oh yeah, here's another fun one. Here's actually a really fun one. So... Rename readme to readme.md. Otherwise, GitHub won't recognize it as a markdown file. Now, the funny thing here is the GitHub readme, the GitHub, the Linux readme is not a markdown file at all. So, there's no point doing this. And there's some fun comments in here. Imagine trying to become a Linux maintainer by submitting a PR with three changed characters. The file is not written in markdown so it should not be a markdown file but if it should have an extension it should be .txt But everything is text unless specified otherwise I suggest renaming it to lowercase for a more professional altitude Uh I think I'm supposed to say attitude to comply with the recent COC shout The recent COC shouting bad oh Right, it should be lowercase because if it's capitals then um then it's it's going to be shouting. Everywhere in the Linux kernel, yes means no and no means yes for whatever reason. So I fixed around forty-four thousand lines. I'm now maintainer of the Linux kernel project. <laughs> okay, this person's just taking the piss. <laughs> GitHub sadly won't create a diff because it's too large. Oh yeah, also GitHub, that's another thing Linus doesn't like. Uh, that GitHub's diffs don't work. <clears throat> mm. <laughs> yeah, yes or no. Oh, so this guy literally just did a regex on <laughs> everywhere that it said no <laughs> and just replaced it with yes. Oh my god, I love it. (laughs) The Jesus algorithm. (laughs) Okay, implements the simplest possible no overwrite mode. It it does nothing but return zero. Implements the simplest uh, possible yes overwrite mode. It does yes thing but return zero. I love this commit. This is actually amazing. (sighs) It ain't a cool joke at all. No, it's a pretty cool joke. Some of these mistakes. I-, I like how someone's taking this seriously. <laughs> I know, I know, concern. ISD. ISD concerned. Return yes. <laughs> Return yes to fire. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mox Attack, yes, Lolly, 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 Yes, logy There we go. Yes, Logie. And the, actually, no, if we go to the, um, going to the closed commits, you get even more fun ones. So the open commits are just stuff that's been sitting here for ages. What is it? Created Pizza. I haven't actually seen this one. Wait, what is this? <coughs> Recipe for Naveen. Base by a Owen, buy an oven. Prepare a pizza, eat. And then there's uh there's some comments in here with people getting very salty that uh this is happening. Stop playing the Linux kernel repository. The community thanks you. Well, the thing is, the Linux kernel maintainers are never going to see this. They don't actually care. Hey, what are you trying to do in here? You waste your time, mister. Bad code. Oh, I love this. I need this not off my Wi-Fi to work. Uh, good day. Maybe Linus has some kind of proc mail script that do the job for him. Boomers detected. Ah. Uh... Now, as I was saying, if we go to the uh, the closed ones, there's even more fun stuff in here. Uh, I think there's a guy called Ghost in here who committed a bunch of absolute garbage. I can hear a bird outside my room. I don't know why. I wish I'd saved the, uh, the page it was on. Oh, here you go. Fixed COC. Here, here's some fun stuff. Fixed COC. What did you fix with the COC? Fixed cock bug. Uh huh. What am I looking at? Here's this ghost dude. Uh. I wonder if we can find it. I could jump into just any one of these random commits with, with comments. Here we go. Test GitHub. Test GitHub. Yep, you tested GitHub. Good job. Okay, there's no comments here. Damn. Okay, no fun. Ah, here, here's fun. This guy just sits around. Like for a couple of years ago, he just sat around just trolling the GitHub. Linux repository. And the weird thing is, the people act as if this actually matters. I barely comment here, but shitposting has been increasing lately. Where did the good users went? Uh, They probably went over to the Linux mailing list, where development actually gets done. Why are people even here? There are no good people. Linus hates poor requests, so he ignores them. It's now basically a free sandbox of posts. That's the funny thing. Like, for so long, there were people taking this seriously. Actually being like, no, we're going to moderate it. And Linus just doesn't care that it even exists. He just... He just has the code there. Like, I... He has a bot running that will go and tell you to piss off, and he has a bot that will sync everything over. That's all that the GitHub exists for. I kinda wish that the uh the shit posting on the GitHub did pick back up, but they ended up disabling comments, so sadly, uh, only the guys who commented prior with their shit posts can comment now, which is no fun. But speaking of shit posts um, r slash Twitch. R slash, r slash Twitch is a very... It's a very... It's a good way to put it. Um, Sad place. It's a sad place full of sad people. Where... Did I actually click on one of the ones that I, was, I wanted to talk about? I didn't. But you know what? We're going to go over to R slash Twitch... And see if we can find a sad person being a sad person. So R slash Twitch is a place where you go to where you are a streamer that has no viewers and you wanna complain about having no viewers or talk about or talk about why uh, why you should think about whether you want to continue streaming. Where's a fun one? Trying to make a Twitch account. Work life plus streaming. Actually, is this going to be a fun one? I think this might be a fun one. Hello, fellas. I need your guys' feedback on how to maintain a streaming life as well as maintaining a working life. Oh, my God. I work a full-time 10 to 4 to sometimes 10 to 5 night shift, to be precise. And I stream art whenever I can. But before I add what else I aspire to do in my Twitch... I need an honest criticism based on my experience uh that you probably have been through. I don't know how to maintain a streaming life. All I want to stream is art and play RPG games. I work at Amazon and work is very demanding and whenever it's my day off, all I all day I play games on my my own time. Like this is basically the entirety of this subreddit. I think it's the same as any hobby. Yeah, that's actually a fair point. The comments on here are actually sometimes kind of decent. But the posts themselves... The posts themselves are... Uh, not so much. Where's another fun one? I, I I know I had one in here. CPU at 100% while gaming was streaming. Wait, what are you running? How are you... What the hell are you doing that your i7... And your 1660 is... Is suffering. What makes a streamer entertaining to you? Uh... Oh, here we... Okay, we're talking about Asmund. Is someone gonna freak out about Asmund in here? Come on, someone's gonna freak out about Asmund. No! No one's gonna play that Asmund gold. Damn. But if you just wanna see... <coughs> a bunch of people be, uh... Just... Not actually do anything productive... And sit around complaining about their Twitch. This is the best way to go and do so. Streaming with glasses. I need advice regarding streaming with glasses. I have a ring light. And I'm having problems with the ring light showing my glasses. And my screen showing up as well. Get a different light. Don't use a fucking ring... I I didn't buy a ring light because ring lights are shit. And no matter how much you diffuse it, uh, you're always going to have the the ring in your eyes. That's just the problem with ring lights. <laughs> oh, here we go. I have a viewer. Here Here we go. This is exactly what I was looking for. Not the same post, but exactly what I was looking for. <coughs> I have a viewer who is causing my stream to lose viewers. So I be- befriended someone on Twitch. They are, they are great streamer. Wait, they are great as a streamer, and they helped me out a lot in my early days. I made the person a mod, and they mod my channel well, etc. Now the person does have some mental issues, and recently has been seriously down. They have their own community, which I am part of, and we all do our best to keep them happy, focused, and help them with their depression. The problem I have here is they join my stream and constantly talk about how bad their life is, how depressed they are... And they're just uh, wishing they had a better life. It's killing my stream. When they join, they instantly start talking about it. I've had loads of people leave. Because my stream is just becoming this bad place to hang out. Because of this person. Ban the person. (laughs) Ban the person. Stop streaming because you're obviously not ready. If such a simple situation trips you up. Get them out of your chat. Like, it's so... Like, the the problems they have on here are so easy. Like, they're they're so... Like, any of the problems they have is so easy to deal with. Or they'll just be ridiculous things like, Guys, just prime something to yourself against the TOS. You don't come here because, uh... You want to have a uh, a good time. You come here because you want to laugh at people who are who are not doing anything productive with their time. Is a yeah, I, I think is a good way to put it. What is this rant about stream overlays? So we have Twitch chat, face cam information. Please use type 2 overlays instead of type 1. Information can be put in the Twitch About section. The face can can be moved, not cover up. Important parts of the game. Uh, What are you talking about? Or, you know, run your own channel how you want to and don't worry about gatekeepers. Uh, Don't worry about gatekeepers. Oh, I love this subreddit. It's a great subreddit, and I, I only heard about it recently after I watched a uh, a Devin Nash video where he was basically just ranting about people being very sad people in this subreddit. And if you, if you want to see sad people, yes. I reached affiliate in... Uh, here's a good one. I reached affiliate in July. I have earned 30 euros from subs and cheers until now. Under uh, I understand that you that you guys get your first paycheck after you reach the milestone of a hundred euros. How long have you been streaming as an affiliate? Uh, how, wait. I wa- is that one? I wonder if that's one month. Wait, I reached affiliate in July. You posted this a day ago, so you went affiliate when you're making fifteen dollars a month. Honestly, at that point, I don't know why you would even go affiliate. I genuinely, like, I I don't know why you would even... Like, okay, so the problem with going Twitch affiliate is that when you sign a contract with Twitch, you sign an exclusivity contract. It's not permanent exclusivity, but when you stream something on Twitch... It cannot be streamed at the same time on other platforms. And I think there's a... I think it's a 24-hour window before you're allowed to put it anywhere else. If you're making $15 a month, like, being able a stream on multiple platforms is way, way more valuable than any amount of money you would make at that size. I don't understand, like, why so many people go affiliate so early. Like, I remember back in the days of... Uh, when YouTube raised the requirements to be uh, in the YouTube Partner program. So there was a time when YouTube Partner... I think... I don't think there were requirements at one point, actually. I think maybe... Or it might be like 100 subs, something like that. But nowadays you have to have 4,000 watch hours within the past 12 months and also 1,000 subs. And you don't make shit all money when your channel is that size. I think we... Actually, I'll go back to, like, the, when I first got my... Uh, when I first got my partnership. Uh, and let you know how much I made that first month. Because it's not... It's not zero dollars. But it's certainly... uh, It wouldn't be enough to sign an exclusivity contract. Luckily, though, YouTube doesn't have an exclusivity contract. If you're a partner on YouTube, you can stream anywhere you want and they don't they genuinely don't care. Uh no, not past 365 days. I want to see past past lifetime. Yes. So my first month Okay, that's a bad a bad example because my first month was actually when I had the shout out from Luke. Um But I probably would have made $50 that month, which is by no means no money, but if YouTube had an exclusivity contract, I would not sign that contract for $50 a month, because it's it's far more valuable, especially in Twitch's case where discoverability doesn't exist, to be on multiple platforms. And I, I, I see a lot of like early streamers making this exact mistake. And I genuinely don't know... I don't know why they do it. I think a lot of people look at Twitch more as, more as a game. They like... They, they really... I think this is part of Twitch's fault as well. Because <clears throat> Twitch really gamifies the way that they show statistics to you. Like, getting to affiliate is a bunch of achievements. It's like, hey, you got this many people talking in chat, you stream for this many hours, you have this many concurrent viewers. Like, they will literally give you achievements inside of Twitch based around these things that you're doing. <clears throat> so, it is partially Twitch's fault in that respect as well, but it's something that I, I really wish new streamers would, would absolutely think about it's, it's not worth it. It is genuinely not worth it to go affiliate until you have, what, 50 or 100 concurrent viewers. Until that point, I wouldn't even consider it a slight possibility of being worth it. And even then, even then, the problem you get with Twitch is that having a... Having an ad disrupt your stream like that can be very, very annoying. And a lot okay, a lot of the stuff that Twitch partners get is a lot of monetization stuff. And I like that there's so many options to monetize. But when you're such a small streamer, I I would, especially if you're someone who tries to push them, it would feel a lot like you're trying to... <clears throat> you're trying to basically capitalize on, on your audience rather than trying to create a good... A good viewing experience. I know the Twitch culture. <clears throat> the Twitch culture really encourages this sort of monetization, but I I still think it's just because of the restream capabilities. It just makes more sense to not do it because you know Twitch Discover. But even if you do, even if you do sign it though, you should be making videos on YouTube. Like anyone who. Anyone who's streaming, who's taking streaming seriously, if you're not taking or if you're not making videos on YouTube or on TikTok or somewhere you're not really taking streaming seriously. Like just uploading clips. You don't need to make evergreen content. Like completely new stuff. Just uploading clips is enough. Getting content in a place where it can be discovered. YouTube's obviously the best place for that, but there are other things you can do as well. I had to pause for a minute there because the, uh, the the runny nose was getting way too bad to deal with. <clears throat> I don't know what's happening today. I feel like I might be getting sick again, and I don't like that. Because when I get sick, it becomes a massive problem, and I'm sick for, like, a week. So, I spe- especially because it's starting to, like, get into um, spring now, and it's starting to, like, warm up. I don't want to get sick right now. That would be really, really inconvenient. Like... I will still be making videos, doing all of the stuff that I'm always doing, but I will be making them at a lesser quality than I would like to be doing. And that is something I would I would prefer to avoid if possible. But you know, it. it, it I mean, I'll take I'll take some medicine afterwards. See see if we can deal with it before it becomes a an actual problem that I uh I I actually have to deal with properly. Do I have any other topics on here, or am I? Did I just burn through everything? Oh, actually, here's one thing I I am kind of interested in. So, Twitter has a really interesting way of handling blocking now. They want to test out a feature called soft blocking, where it's effectively it's effectively a controlled shadow block. I guess would be a good way to put it. So, you could decide that you want to block someone, but it's not going to unfollow you from that person, and if they look at your account, you won't... Like, you won't... They... Sorry, they won't see that they have been blocked. So, from their perspective, they look like everything... Everything still looks like it's exactly the way it always was. But from your perspective, if I'm understanding this correctly you won't be able to see anything they do. So from your side, they're blocked. From their side, they don't look blocked. So they could still be continuously annoying, you know, replying to everything you do, being just being an asshole generally. But you wouldn't be able to see that's actually happening. Which I think might... If they don't implement it properly, it might do weird things with comment chains. So... Let's say that someone leaves a comment. And then a person you have soft blocks replies to that comment. And then they reply back to that comment. Does that rest of the conversation get shown? Or is everything disappeared after the blocked person ends up commenting? So so let's say you have... If, if the example doesn't make sense... um. We'll treat these three items as comments. So let's say you have your... You have your initial comment. The blocked person comments. And then anything after this point... Is that still in the comment thread and visible to the person uh, who did the blocking? Or is it no longer visible? Because if it's, if it's no longer visible, that's fine. Nothing's out of the ordinary there. If it is visible then that has this weird continuity error where the comment thread no longer makes sense. So, let's say that person is being an asshole, and someone replies to them. Now you have the person replying to someone being an asshole, but you can't actually see that. I don't know how that's going to be handled. I, I would actually like to test this out, personally. But the advantage of doing this is that if for whatever reason you need to you need to stay following that person or you need to allow that person to continue following you let's say you know the person is going to launch like a harassment campaign against you if they do find out they've actually been blocked this would be one way to avoid that and i actually don't see a downside in this but obviously besides the weird comment thread continuity from a dealing with people being assholes on the internet this is probably the one of the better ways to actually deal with it i don't generally block people i don't think i've actually blocked anyone on twitter no sorry i that's a lie i have blocked people but there've been you know bot accounts like hey buy whatever scam coin is the new scam coin today or hey do you want to get 10 million followers on Twitter. Th- those are the sort of accounts that I've blocked. But, like, actual, you know, real creators, real real people, I have not blocked. I just don't really care. Like, generally, if you just ignore people who are trolling you, they will go away. And if you troll them back, uh, then you get a fun back and forth. And I've had some, uh, some actually, some fun interactions with people who are trolling me where... When I start trolling them, they realize that what they were doing was being an asshole, and they're like, "Shit, I was being an asshole, wasn't I? Uh, I, I'm sorry for that." Most of the time, what ends up happening is the person is so dumb that they don't realize that like they're being trolled back. Like they just, they just think that you're you just started saying something dumb, and they've got you in this like they've got you on the ropes. They're like, oh man, I, I I'm um definitely getting under your skin but in reality what's happening is you're just like trying to trying to make them go away as quickly as possible I apologize for all the jump cuts that are going to exist in the last 20 minutes of this podcast but my nose has just decided that it wants to be a fountain now mm. and I don't exactly want to keep that bit in uh because it would be really weird uh having you sitting there watching me blowing my nose so I I will avoid that <clears throat> I I am I'm, I'm worried. I, I'm worried for my health now. <laughs> oh god. Um what else do we have? I actually don't really have anything else. I sort of burnt through all of my topics fairly quickly. I think I did actually. I guess the only other thing to really mention is um I did see this. Apparently, El Salvador has now accepted Bitcoin as a uh, a legal tender. And then, the price fell. I don't understand why the price fell. There might be something weird about El Salvador that I don't understand. El Salvador is the first country to accept Bitcoin as a legal tender. You know, I've been saying this entire time that, ma- that Bitcoin is not actually a currency. That Bitcoin is... It's just an investment. But the reason why I've been saying that is because that's been true. It is not a currency. In El Salvador, though, it is a currency. So, I don't know what this is going to do. If this is going to I don't know, encourage Bitcoin millionaires who have all their currency in Bitcoin to um move to El Salvador? Possibly. I don't know. That would be cool. I imagine if they're gonna treat it as like legal tender that means they are that means they're not going to be taxing it in the same way that like, you know Australia or the US does. They'll be treating it like currency where selling it doesn't get you taxed. Uh, but it's such a weird situation. Protesters outraged. Okay. Not everyone is happy with Bukele's attempts to experiment with El Salvador's economy. That might be why it fell. Okay, I could see that. As citizens began downloading the Chivo app on Tuesday, protesters hit the streets, setting off fireworks. Okay. Uh, apparently it's not popular among the people. Some of whom have said they don't understand Bitcoin. Fair enough. While others are concerned, the cryptocurrency option will widen an already a deep class divide in the relatively poor South American nation. I can totally understand why they'll be concerned. Uh expect Bitcoin millionaires to move there. Okay, that's why it might have fell. Okay. 65% were opposed to it, and they still pushed it through. Jesus. As fast food chains get to celebrate the inclusion of cryptocurrency to their asset portfolios, small businesses may be left behind as they are faced with day-to-day operations. Huh. I think this is... I think that if it goes well, this may encourage other places to do it. I don't know whether that's a good thing. I genuinely don't. I'm just going to sit back and watch as stuff happens, because I know that Australia is not going to do anything for a very long time. <clears throat> so I'm going to keep accumulating my, my crypto and my other investments... As time goes on, and hopefully, whatever happens in the future, it goes up somewhat, because going down is always a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I, don't know what this is going to entail, so I'm just going to keep an eye on it. And if things happen, I guess we can talk about it in the future. Uh, I don't really have too much else to say today, and this uh, this potential illness that is starting to... Uh, inflict itself upon me is is really making it hard to think so I'm going to end the, the podcast a bit early today and maybe we'll do you know what I will I will try to do maybe 20 minutes over uh, on the next one I guess I've got a guest on the next one but I'll I'll try to see what I can do for next time and hopefully uh, bring the time back up but if not uh, I will recover the time at some point and uh, yeah. So that's gonna be pretty much it for me. Uh I don't know if I have a channel to talk about today. Did I-, I mentioned Asmund Gold. Have I chatted at Gold before? Go watch Asmund Gold. Asmund Gold is cool. So. Uh Asmund Gold makes WoW content and Final Fantasy XIV content, but I don't actually care about either of those things. I just think he's uh entertaining dudes to listen to, and listening to him go on rants about how shit WoW is nowadays is always going to be fun for me. Uh Yeah. So, my main channel is Brody Robinson. My podcast, this podcast here, is available as an audio release, a video release, basically places. Video release is available as YouTube, Odyssey, yes. Audio release, anywhere. Uh Gaming channel, YouTube, Twitch, live streams, twice a week, five days a week for shorts, and I said main channel, yes, six days a week, and then a live stream, I don't know what I'm saying anymore, I'm going to just end off the podcast here, and uh, I I apologize for the train wreck, and hopefully it'll be better next time, so that's going to be it for me, and I'm out.